Welcome back to the Wizards of Ecom podcast. My name is Carlos Alvarez and I'll be your host for the show. On today's episode, we have an amazing guest, Leslie Hensel, co-founder of Riverbend. Riverbend's helped thousands of third-party sellers get their accounts and ASINs back up and running after a suspension, deactivation, deactivation or block. Welcome to the show, Leslie. Thanks so much for having me, Carlos. Surge, Surge is coming up. I want to get, I want to speak about that real quick. Um, you have an amazing event coming up September 6th through the 8th, and we're going to talk about it through the show, but I figured since it is so close, anybody that wants to pull over, slow down their treadmill, anything like that to make a note about it, uh, so that they can attend it's, it's in my backyard here in Miami. So, uh, events in Tampa, can you talk a little bit about the event? I am so stoked about this event, Carlos. Um, we are trying to build an event where we have great education, excellent networking, and also some fun built in. And it's all for the one ticket price, um, which is super exciting. So during the day, people can go and hear fantastic speakers. Um, I would say, you know, we have some advanced speakers, some that are on the more beginner side. We're going to have three rooms going. Um, but a lot of the information is kind of for the experienced seller, but not necessarily gigantic seller, which I think is probably most of your audience. Um, but we have some fun built in, like we have an arcade, an 80s style arcade on site all the time. You can go do some networking and play some games. And we're also doing a cruise of Tampa Bay one night. So we're going to, we're going to have a lot of fun. I love it. What, what, what was your biggest challenge in getting together? Uh, first of all, Riverbend does nothing half-baked, but this is definitely uh, one of those things I, I know a little bit behind the scenes that you've been working on this amazing event for a while. Do you know if, um, like, what was the hardest challenge for you in, in, in getting together the most amazing speakers and helping guide, like, what the topics are going to be at this event? So <laughs> I'll tell you, the, the biggest challenge was this was supposed to be in February, and because of COVID, now it's going to be in September. Um, we were so fortunate, though. Almost all of our speakers, all but I think two, agreed to move from February to September, which is huge. And, and really, the problem for me is having too many possible speakers, paring it down and having to pick and choose between all these brilliant people in the industry that we're fortunate enough to have relationships with. So we're really focused on having... Um, new topics, interesting things to talk about. And what I'm most excited about is we also have what we're calling our seller performance panel. These are four ex-Amazonians from my team. These are people who together have probably 60 years experience at Amazon or more who are going to take questions. Um, I think that's going to be very valuable. It's not often you go to a conference where you're going to have 10 to 15 ex-Amazonians there, which we absolutely will. I love it. Everyone should sign up. What's the best? So before we get into this uh, exciting topic, what, what's the best way for somebody to find out more details or, or get a ticket? Go to thesurgesummit.com and everything is right there. And if you sign up now, very exciting. We have a welcome party the first night and you'll get a free ticket to the welcome party. I love it. Leslie, you, you, you're probably in a unique position in the Amazon space, especially with how you're describing your team, like combined 60 years aggregate experience on the seller performance side, um, plus everything else you guys do on a day in and day out. You get to see 
you get the opportunity to help sellers in their greatest time of need um, mm-hmm. and, and navigate it rapidly and also maintain an amazing reputation in the space. So what, what would you say are the biggest challenges and maybe solutions for those challenges for Amazon sellers in the back half of 2022? So thank you for all the kind words about the company. What's crazy is we actually have more than 125 years of Amazon experience on staff. That was just on the panel. Um, So right now, it is so important for people to understand where Amazon is being very aggressive. And our team keeps up on what the current suspension types are. And then I really think the best thing about our team is that we are calm and we walk with the client, and we try and make their life better, not worse. Uh, There's nothing worse than feeling like you're the target of Amazon. It's like when you get pulled over by the cops, and you start, even if you... Even if you know everything's okay, you're running through the checklist in your head. Is my registration up to date? Do I have my insurance card? You know, we all do that, even if we've never done anything wrong and everything's current, right? You start freaking out. Um, So right now, sellers need to understand that Amazon is cracking down on review manipulation like crazy, and that is not going to stop. I think that in the second half of uh, 2022, you are going to see more and more suspensions around platform manipulation and review manipulation. And the other thing is, you know, a couple of years ago, Amazon announced a new policy saying you can have more than one seller account without asking permission. Well, predictably, about six months after that, they started cracking down on linked accounts and what they think are linked accounts. And you can have some account from back when you were in college selling your textbooks and you forgot to ship them because you were too busy partying at the end of the semester. And this is a story I've heard like six times. This is a real thing. Um, You can have that come back to bite you and shut down like your big brand's account because of that account from 20 years ago that all of a sudden they detected a linkage. Do you you know, speaking on that particular topic, and there's a lot to unpack there, but the the meetup group that I organize, we we get... Mm -hmm get a pretty big influx of, of new sellers all the time. And that almost verbatim, what you just shared happens some version of you, maybe they were selling some books in college or something. And when you ask them, do you have an Amazon seller account? They say, no, no, I don't have one because that one sort of didn't count in, in their world. So you have this, you have this person that's in this position and they're like, you know, I've watched the webinars. I believe I can sell on Amazon and start a business. They're hyped. They attend events. And then this thing happens that they get a suspension on what, what would you tell someone who is being told in that scenario based on a link account? The only answers they're getting is I I have to pay six or seven K and I can get my account back because it was linked because that's what they're hearing online. And I have no idea what Riverbend's prices are, but what would you tell someone like that, that says, I want to start, but like I have five to six K to put it to inventory, not to get the account open. Like, how do you, how do you deal with that? What would you say to them if you were me? So first of all, that pricing is crazy. Amen. <laughs> so our, 
it's it's a little bit different with with each account, but your ballpark is going to be more in the fifteen hundred to twenty five hundred dollar range to get that kind of thing solved, um, and usually more of right smack in the middle of that. So five or six thousand is a whole lot, and that's if you're asking someone for like overnight service, which you don't need in this scenario. You would not want to buy rapid service in this scenario because uh, it is not going to take one appeal to get it fixed. It's going to take escalations to get it fixed. Here's the good news. Old account suspensions that are linked, we have a very high success rate. And it's because Amazon is the land of second chances. They really do believe in second chances or my goodness, so many large accounts would just be defunct right now because they would never get reinstated. So on these old account suspensions, Amazon does believe you if you say, hey, this wasn't even a professional account, because most of the time it wasn't. It's people selling onesie, twosie, more like eBay. They were selling more like an eBay seller. Um, or even if you had a business and you screwed up and you had late shipment rate problems or ODR problems, Amazon believes in second chances for those. You just have to show now I'm a professional. Now I have this organization in place. I have this structure in place. It's not going to happen again. Now on these, you do have to appeal the old account. That's how you get back. You get the old one fixed and then the new one will get turned back on when you ask them to. And then you want to go back and close that old account and make it go away. What, what would you, I, I, I hate to harp on this, but like I have half a dozen people that are in this exact scenario. I mean, you almost, I, I almost felt like you spoke to them before we started recording this. The, what if they don't know, like, I know it seems like, wow, this person shouldn't be in business if they can't even remember basic details like that. But this person in college is out partying. Mm -hmm. Email doesn't exist anymore or they don't have access to it. Or it was like a college email. What, what if they don't know how to get back into the account to appeal? So, it? so we've had that happen. There's So there's two things that they may not know. They may not know their login or they may not know what the reason was. Um, more commonly, people do remember the login because they can remember the email address that they used to set up that account and they can reset the password. I would say that that's like 90% of the time. If you go into, uh, there's, if you go to amazon.com, if you search it in Google, and I can find this link and send it to you later, Carlos, so you can throw it in the show notes. There is a, a an account password reset link that is external to seller central. So you don't even have to go to seller central and be confused. It's like completely external so that you can reset outside of that whole asking you for the phone number verification and all that jazz. Cause that just makes resetting your password really hard. So you can go to this external link, try your old email addresses and get yourself in. That's thing. Number one. Um, if you still can't do it, then what we have done before is used the current account and gone in and asked for help from engineering to reset that. Now, if you can't remember it at all, um, they're not going to tell you the email address. That can be problematic. So that is something that we can escalate in an appeal with the current account, that's a really messy situation. But I'll tell you that the 90% of the time, we've got people who eventually figure out that email address. It's that they don't, they don't remember the suspension reason. Like that I, doesn't I, matter. That's part of the, hip, the, hip, the hypnotism department. You're like, you don't remember it? Just come over here. <laughs> we're going to put you into a little trance and we're going to get this, this email. Do you think Amazon doesn't share the email because of like liability or privacy? Or do you, 
in my mind, I look at it and I'm like, oh, Amazon is like being cool, like KG here. They, they're not going to tell you the email because there might be multiple and they want to see what you're going to confess. But you think it's more privacy? It's all security. They're never going to give someone and they're never going to give a login email address out ever. Um, so that is something that can be addressed in an escalation, but it makes things much harder if you can't remember that email address. But as far as the reason and not having the old emails, you know, from Amazon telling you why it was suspended. And of course, all that data goes away. It's not in the account anymore. Uh, if, if you have order defect rate, that's all clean in, in your scorecard. Um, that's not a problem. We, we write appeals where we suggest what we think it was, and then they correct us if we were wrong. So it's kind of a way for fishing for what the reason is. We'll say, okay, it was most likely that you didn't ship, right? Or it's most likely we brainstorm with the client and get the most likely. We write an appeal based on that. And then Amazon will reply and say, hey, we need more information about, and then they tell you the correct reason. What would you say, I have an opinion on this, but I, I, I think this might, this might get you to jump all over this, but like, what do you say to the people that say, why would I pay a few thousand dollars to do this if there's free templates online? Um, what do you say to that? So templates, template appeals can be useful in certain situations. Um, now, I'm not saying that they work and I don't recommend them, but I'll tell you that with basic appeal types, like if you've got an inauthentic ASIN, uh, problem. If you've got to use sold as new ASIN problem, um, there are people who use templates and it works. Uh, when you're trying to get a legacy account reinstated that's been linked to your current account, there is no template for that. Uh, there's no way that that template exists. If it does exist, it doesn't really fit your situation. And you've got to be convincing and very real to get them to unsuspend an account. I think the oldest one we have is 14 years old that we got a 14 year old account unsuspended. Um, that took being convincing and real and escalating to executives. So there are appeal types where frontline seller performance people feel empowered to reinstate because they fully understand the situation. It's very much an SOP. Oh, this inauthentic ASIN, uh, check, check, check on the appeal. This all makes sense. If it doesn't fit one of their SOPs, like something that's 14 years old, they do not feel empowered to reinstate. So we end up escalating to executives. And that's where you really get your money's worth because we have lots of folks that we escalate to and we know which guy cares about women's issues, you know, and so reinstates women who are in business, which one loves veterans. There are two guys there that love vets. Uh, we use what we've got to use to get them to reinstate. I imagine having an army on your team of like Exceller performance people has to help a great deal because I mean, maybe they were conversating over coffee a, a year or two before or something while, while at seller performance, if, if that's a thing, why, why are legacy besides the empowerment thing? Why are legacy accounts more difficult? I'm asking this for me. Like, why is it more difficult to bring those back? Because there's a higher likelihood of fraud with a legacy account. Um, there's even a term inside Amazon, GSGB, good seller gone bad. That's one of their acronyms, which cracks me up. Wow. Good seller gone bad. I'm trying to, good it sounds like a Breaking Bad, bad episode. 
I know the first time I saw that acronym in our team chat, I was like, what is that? Because I'm not an ex-Amazonian. I'm like, what is that? And when they told me, I think I laughed for five minutes. But um, if an account is a legacy account, it's an older account, there is a higher likelihood that somehow someone hacked a password and is trying to use this account, or they're trying to change the method on the account. They're finding old abandoned accounts and trying to get them turned on so that they can use them without someone noticing. You know, there's a really uh, interesting kind of black market out there for abandoned accounts. And if you can get your hands on one, especially an older one, some of them, they have the weekly disbursements. I mean, there's all kinds of magic with these super old accounts. So there are hackers out there trying to get these suckers turned back on. Um, so it is much higher likelihood of good seller gone bad, not necessarily meaning, they don't necessarily mean the, the original seller. It's whoever is the seller in there now. Yeah. I, I want to, you, you mentioned mass suspensions, you know, possibility towards the beginning of this. I, I don't know if you said mass or if that's my word, but like upcoming, like major suspensions dealing with, Sounded like review manipulation because that's something they're prioritizing. Uh, I, I assume algorithm manipulation too. But before we get your expert take on this and why, um, and I know we're doing this kind of backward, but I, I wanted to jump into surge and I wanted to jump into this this verification of accounts and linking of accounts really quick. Why do you like what motivated you to like dedicate? so much of your time and, and create this company to help Amazon sellers. You mentioned you're not an ex-Amazonian, um, but you're creating an amazing event to help sellers. You, you bail them out in their time of need. Like what, what motivated you to do this? Well, I've been a seller since 2010. And before I was a seller, I was a management consultant. It was what I did all day, every day, and it was small business. And a lot of it was about process engineering and marketing consulting. And a lot of the same things really that sellers have to do. You have to have great processes in place for your account. You have to know how to market your products. So I actually was a seller for several years because I have a kiddo who's special needs and I wanted to stay home and homeschool him, but he had a lot of therapy that was very expensive. <laughs> So I still needed to make some money on the side to pay for all that therapy. Amazon was a great way to do that. And after he went back to school, praise the Lord, after three years of all that therapy, um, I, I was kind of like, huh, I guess I could go back to what I was doing before, but I'd really come to love Amazon. So this seemed like a good way to use all of those prior skills I've developed within Amazon. And, you know, sellers... Wow. When they get suspended, it is the worst time of some of their lives. Um, people have to lay off family members. They're missing their house payments. Uh, they have to do mass layoffs at their company. It is not for the faint of heart. And I have some just challenges I've had in my personal life in the past that I do well in emergencies. I stay calm. I can help walk people through this with the positive, we're going to get through this together attitude. And I think that's something that, that people in these situations need. And that's something we've passed on to our team is you've got to be positive and helpful and keep in communication all the time um, because it's not a time to feel alone. I think selling on Amazon is very isolating. And that's why groups like yours, Carlos, are so important, 
because you can have meetups and you can be around other sellers, but a lot of sellers out there don't have that or haven't found their group or their people or their conference or their meetup, whatever it is. And, and when this happens, they, they're alone and they just shouldn't be. I, I, I love that. Uh, I didn't have it either coming up as a seller started in 2008. So it sounds like we, we started around the same time, a mm-hmm. uh, whole bunch of things there. Like, I hope you're, I hope your child is doing amazing. Um, are awesome. you still, are you still actively selling? I am. I am. And I've, I just got to throw this out that, um, my, my kid is actually just finished his second year of college and he is at a summer internship right now and he's fantastic. So it was totally worth it doing the homeschool. Just had to put that up. That is, I'm scared to touch that because I feel like that's could be a whole other episode in and of itself. I'm blown away that you you've been able to scale, I call it an agency. Yeah. Riverbend to the amazingness that it is. You're able to help so many people. It's not, I, it's not, I'm not easy to work with if I'm dealing with it. If, if my account is suspended, I feel like I'm one of the most difficult people in the world to deal with. You're yeah. able to do all that and scale an Amazon seller business. That is wild. Kudos well, to and you. It's, it's, well, thank you so much. It's reasonable for people to be upset though. We, we have 75 employees now, so we've got a big team to take care of folks. Um, but it is reasonable that when people come to us, they are already screaming on the first call, like we're the bad guys, right? Because they, they can't yell at Amazon. No one there will listen to them. Um, but my, my team is, is used to it and understanding. Also, a lot of my folks have Amazon's de-escalation training, which has been a fantastic tool because we, because we want to convince the sellers we're here to walk with you and help you. We're not the enemy. They're the enemy. Uh, and let's get this figured out together. Um, but, but it's okay for people to come and cry and yell and scream. That's what we are here for. We're like half counselors, I swear. For sure. I, th- I think the only problem with the, that, that period of time with the, the kicking, yelling and screaming is that you also probably did a knee-jerk reaction, like emo reply to Amazon about the seller account. And I'm sure that doesn't help the process. <laughs> Oh yeah. The worst thing you can do y'all, whether it's an ASIN or a warning or an account suspension, no matter what it is, don't say, Hey, can you tell me why you suspended me? Or I don't, I don't see anything in my account, you know, or I didn't do it. Don't just send that. Don't do it. Even if you didn't do it. And there are lots of times when the seller didn't do it. Um, I would say the seller didn't do it 10% or 15% of the time, whatever it is, but you can't say that. You've got to find a way to explain that you thoroughly investigated, that you ran all the reports, that you questioned your staff, you did all the stuff. And these are the SOPs you put in place to prevent that from happening, um, even if you didn't do it. So yeah, super important that you try to not waste that chance. And also what they don't want to hear is that you don't know what's going on in your own business. And that's the way they hear that. Yeah. Or I didn't know that was a rule. That's got to be Oh God, no, don't say that. <laughs> All right. The, the dreaded mass suspension. The, the only, I don't know if you're going to say this. I, I, I agree though, that I think Q4 of this year is going to have some nasty surprises um, when it comes to Amazon cracking down on reviews and even algorithm manipulation. Uh, the only other mass suspension that I've been a seller during that I recall was, I guess, way back when the number one ranking method was get on a wish list. And it was like, go to Fiverr, you get added to some wish list. It worked at the time uh, until it didn't. And then Am- Amazon Thanos snapped a lot of, uh, of Amazon sellers at that time. So 
you mentioned mass suspensions. What, mm-hmm. what do you see coming and what do you think people should like stop doing now? Or is it too late? So the first thing to understand is the reason Amazon's doing it. Um, because I think a lot of people believe they're the exception and they're not going to get popped because they don't do that much bad stuff. They think that if they just do a little bad stuff, it's a okay. And so I want to explain why Amazon does this to begin with. So you'll understand why you're at risk if you're doing any of it. Um, Amazon is under so much pressure right now from the Federal Trade Commission and also from Congress with this proposed legislation, the breakup bills, antitrust bills, and review manipulation is a part of the reasoning behind that. And the FTC is all over them for review manipulation. And so that's why they are breaking, uh, they're they're, um, enforcing more on that. I think people have gone back to super URLs. They'd stopped, a lot of folks had stopped for a while because they were getting busted for it. You gotta stop, they're gonna catch those. Um, We are seeing more and more suspensions where Amazon has demanded contact. Okay, not just contact information. So before they would say, send us stuff about, essentially the bad guy services that have been helping you. Now they're asking for um, email address, uh, address, physical address, website, uh, copies of invoices, copies of email communications. They want everything. Okay, we all know what this is about. This isn't about you. They'll let you back on if you give them all the stuff. They want to go after those guys, just like they've gone gone after these refund companies um, with cease and desist and then with uh, lawsuits. Um, And then the federal government might get involved with some of this because they've been getting more involved. So just know they are coming. They're going after the Facebook groups big time and the Facebook chatbots. Those are in their sites. Uh, Amazon does catch the chatbots. The reason they catch the chatbots is because they have a reciprocal agreement with Facebook. Um, All of the big guys out there have reciprocal agreements to prevent money laundering, fraud, and other illegal behavior on their platforms. So the chatbots, that is shared with Amazon. Um, They catch everything. Uh, My best example of how they can catch something really small, we had a seller who had, honest to God, never done anything that was review manipulation worthy. And then he got suspended for it. So we're going down our questionnaire of all the possible things you could think of, of how you could get busted. His aunt was in a book club. She was very proud of him. And so she asked all of her friends in the book club to buy his product and review it. And they did. So if that can get someone suspended, and I know lots of people say, we've been doing it for years and we haven't been caught. Okay, cool. But it's two strikes and you're out for review manipulation, platform manipulation of any time, any kind at all. Um, the rank manipulation, BSR manipulations, two strikes and you're gone. So just be aware that if you've already gotten busted for it once, you cannot afford to have it happen a second time. No escalation in the world will get you back. I don't care how big you are. Do, do you see, do you see that Amazon, it feels like a pattern to me, like in Q4 or like right at the sweet spot when everything's on the line, that's when they say, okay, enough bad actors. We're cracking down. This is the, the, not necessarily the new rule. Here's the rule that we've had, and we've maybe been a little lax on enforcing, but now it's, it's, it's all in. So there is a pattern for the last half of the year. 
It typically takes four to eight weeks for enforcement to happen based on product quality. So you have Prime Day happen in July, and then you will have suspensions start in September that are a result of product quality or fraud or not delivered uh, that happened during Prime Day, right? So then they do catalog cleanup in September, October, which includes the manipulation issues. So all of those start coming in September, October, and then textbook season ends up having a lot of suspensions in early October. So this catalog cleanup, they run through about mid-October and finish right before peak. So usually um, all of that cleanup happens from first week in September to like third week in October. There's a lot of suspension then. Then the additional uh, suspensions that happen in November, December are almost all product quality. They're usually not going after the review manipulation and the catalog cleanup, like variation abuse, for example. They're not usually doing that in November, December. They're just doing like bad quality late shipment. That's wild. I suspected it, but now you actually tied it to something. So like, that's one of the benefits of having the insight that, that, that you guys have. Well, oh, the dates be- help make it all make sense. Don't they? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Now I see it. It's like obvious. <laughs> um, what, what would be another, uh, I want to be respectful of your time. I want to get another challenge in here. Like what's another challenge that you, you see that, um, sellers, let's just say with seller central that, that sellers have and how, how can they improve it or avoid it to have the most amazing back half of 2022 possible? You have to believe the data and you have to spend time looking at the data. So I am the biggest advocate of sellers that you will ever meet. However, there are some challenges in our industry that because that buyers have a history of saying things that aren't true to get free return shipping, for example, sellers tend to not believe when someone says they received an item with poor product quality, it was broken, the packaging was bad. Um, it's all us versus them. They don't want to believe that their organization may have done something that did not provide a great experience for the customer. So what I tell people is you should always be working on your worst ASIN and you always have a worst ASIN. Even if you only have five and they're great performers, one of them is the worst of those five. And that one is costing you money because if you have returns, it's cost returns, kill your bottom line. You eat all the fees. And a lot of times they put it in unsellable. So you can ruin your margins completely with high return rates. So at all times, be looking for your worst performer. You need to run the FBA returns report. And if you do merchant fulfill that returns report, look at voice of the customer, look at product reviews and seller feedback and messaging. And if you review all of that, you're going to find your high return rate and look for what you can fix. So even if your return rates are low, there's always something you can improve. You can always have a better listing detail page for when people said, this isn't what I was expecting. Or you can figure out why this particular item, everyone says it's too small. Um, Or you can improve your packaging or the way you ship to FBA. There's always something you can do better. And in the end, you're going to make more money because of it. So that's, that's my favorite thing is to tell people, if you're not working on your product quality all the time, you are losing out on dollars. Amen to that. So, so a little side note here. Um, 
Riverbend, um, Riverbend Consulting, you guys create some of the best content. Like you're on my, my, my hit list of the types of content that you guys create, um, uh, like blogs and stuff like that. Do you happen to have a checklist? I think you're the only person I would ask this, like what you just described, is there sort of a checklist that you would say, or, or maybe you know that somebody else has that's sort of like, this is the, this is the hit list. You hear like sort of the top 10 that you should evaluate against your worst performer. You know what? I, I don't in a blog and now I'm going to have to write one because I've been doing, <laughs> I've been speaking at conferences about this subject and so I just need to create a blog about this and do a checklist and put it on our blog and put it out on LinkedIn and all those places. I'm going to do that now, Carlos. Thanks. I think it would be powerful, right? Because isn't that sort of what aggregators do when they, when, when they go buy a brand, they look at everything and be like, what are all the things here? Because they have the time to do it. They have a team to do it, that they're just like, what are the things that we can improve on right here to increase our bottom line? Absolutely. And I think too many sellers fall into the trap that you do all the hard work at the beginning. So then you assume that it's okay going forward, like a, a set it and forget it, Ron Popeil style. <laughs> and you just can't do that even with products. I mean, your manufacturer might be falling down on QA and you don't realize it as an example. Um, you know, there's, we had a, oh my goodness. I had a client who voice of the customer said that the shampoo conditioner bought um, bundle everyone was supposed to get was two shampoos and they refused to believe it. And no, I'm like, no, I, dude, all these people aren't making this up. And they refused to believe it was them. I have, I have <laughs> not the same product, but similar situation. And immediately I'm sitting in the group listening to everybody and everyone's like, yeah, those are, those are the Chinese knockoff competitors sabotaging your listing. And I'm like, isn't there a possibility that you bundled this wrong <laughs> or your factory bundled this wrong? And maybe it's just not a whole bunch of random people from China you've never met uh, sabotaging your listing. But I, I agree. Well, and you know, there is black hat stuff and that's real, but that's a much smaller percentage than people want to believe. It's you. It's you unless you can prove it otherwise. And the only category I would make the assumption it was black hat is supplements. Um, any other, you know, supplements is like the big exception to all the things, but any other category, I'm assuming it's you, unless we check absolutely everything and do a test by and prove otherwise. I love it. Leslie, it was amazing. I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, uh, before completely wrapping up, I want to remind everybody to go to the surge summit.com for the surge conference that's happening on September 6th through the 8th before uh, before letting you go, though, something I like to ask all of the guests that are on the show, what is your favorite book and why? And forgive me, Carlos, real quick, if they use the code LH, which is me, Leslie Hensel, LHVIP, they're going to get the very best pricing at thesurgesummit.com. So sorry. Um, my favorite book is Deep Work by Cal Newport. I love everything by Cal Newport. World Without Email is amazing. Also, um, Working in a large agency, it is easy to get where you're so focused on the pings in Slack and in email and the phone calls and the meetings that you never get anything done. And I think that is a challenge for everyone in today's world that you never get anything done. Deep work changed the way I look at my workday. I use time blocks. 
um, and time block planning like Cal Newport suggests. He has a fantastic blog. I've got my team hooked on it. I've even got my kids doing it. <laughs> so we love him. Cal Newport has a blog about deep work. He has a blog and a podcast and his podcast is awesome too. Oh my God. There goes, you just changed the way I approach the treadmill now at the gym. I'm going to be listening to this podcast for the next few months. Uh, Leslie, you've been absolutely amazing, which is not a shocker to me. Um, I, I look forward to Surge. I look forward to having you back on as a guest and just continue being amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Carlos. I have fun.